0: Gonna be old soul, Speedy. The old phrase of the day is Super Murgatroyd.
1: <coughs> I'm sorry. You have to hit me one more time.
0: Super Murgatroyd. And this is the first time where we had an old phrase of the day, and I actually found it academically, Ooh. where it wasn't like a random website. Like it actually has a real thing on. Because usually it's like, this is the old phrase of the day. And if anyone was actually alive at that point, if you could email us, if you're an old soul at gmail.com to let us know if this word's, like, just a lie on the internet that I believed because I'm a millennial. But this <laughs> one, I actually found on the University of Southern California's website. So, Ooh. Super-merg-a-troid.
1: supermergatroid. The Merg is throwing me off here. Uh,
0: yeah, what even is that? Like, that's not, like, a normal english sound merg you don't hear merg a lot yeah i wish i'd merga. taken
1: <laughs> merg. i wish i'd taken latin so i could know if that was a a root of something merg. you know what i'm gonna
0: google that now because that's ai i'm gonna see merg latin <laughs> merg meaning in latin let's see if that's a real okay i'm gonna
1: type it in too i'm spelling it m-u-r-g <laughs> is that is that the merg you mean
0: in actually yeah yes. oh
1: well when you type in merg you get curry recipe does it have to do with curry?
0: Oh yeah, that's what I'm getting to—Indian cookery. <laughs> well, it does not mean Indian chicken. That's not what Super means. So take your guess.
1: Mm. Well, troyd. Troyd makes me think of Droid. That's not what it is. Yeah. But
0: right, there were definitely Android phones in the
1: in the in the 40s, 50s. Yeah. But I'm going to yeah, go I, down I, oh, that road. Oh, this is
0: a sorry. I should have said this is specifically 1950s, since we're talking about uh, I Love Lucy today, which was uh, in the 1950s.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to follow what the word makes me feel, which is robots, which is not what it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to say that it's some sort of uh, kitchen appliance, like... Uh...
0: Super Murgatroyd that <laughs> came out in the 1950s. Yes.
1: And to them, it's uh, su- super futuristic. This is the future of, of dishwashing. The Super Murgatroyd. <laughs>
0: For specifically Indian food.
1: Yes, yes, to help. When we
0: weren't, we didn't have as much of it in the fifties, so we had to have robots. Yes, you don't Um, want your dishes
1: stained from from the luscious spices.
0: Right, right. Which should we talk about your dating history? No, No, that's all right. Okay, move on. (laughs) Um, According to the University of Southern California, another slightly strange slang. I'm I'm just reading a quote here. Mm. This is a ex- excerpt. Another slightly strange slang word is supermergotroid, which means very cool or exciting. That's all it means. It seems fabricated by Mary Poppins, and yet despite the clunky consonants and cumbersome wording, supermergotroid was quite a hip and popular term. <laughs> so apparently it means very cool and exciting. I don't I don't know I'm assuming it's an adjective because those words are adjectives, but it's hard to believe being like, hey, that was super Murgatroyd of you.
1: (laughs) Rolls right off the tongue. Wow. How how interesting. Because also, cool is one of those words that has just never fallen out out of style.
0: Right. That's a 50s word that never went out of style. Yeah.
1: So I I love that super
0: Murgatroyd was trying to be cool. The two ends of the spectrum of cool (laughs) are cool or super Murgatroyd can't believe one stayed in one minute yeah it's it's, kind of like simon and garfunkel right garfunkel (laughs) is a much longer word than simon so it's like cool and super murgatroyd were the original folk (laughs) duo of the words meaning cool oh
1: wow so i'm so so sorry super murgatroyd didn't get its due
0: um and then staying with our 50s theme speedy uh our misheard lyric and guys please send them if you're an old soul at gmail.com we get so money we're overflowing i'm actually (laughs) drowning in misheard lyric anyway here's another one from me um and this one this one i actually could not find the answer online i saw it three different ways on the internet so if you're an old soul at gmail.com, if you know what the words are, have your own feeling. What would you think they are?
1: Just no this, one knows th- this lyric.
0: No one knows. I saw knows? It a million different ways. I'm sure somebody knows, but I saw it a couple different ways. Interesting.
1: So there's a chance Which, you have the correct lyric, yeah. but no one can confirm.
0: I'm well. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying <laughs> someone can either confirm or is really passionate about it. Yes. So I'll take either, even though again I'm flooding in emails. <laughs> Um, so this is the chorus Maybe you'll have an opinion on this This is the chorus To the Happy Days Theme song oh. A show about the 50s Staying with our 50s theme mm-hmm. For I Love Lucy Okay Well do you know what, you, what do you think the How do you think the chorus Goes of the Happy Days theme song
1: You're gonna kill me But I've never seen Happy Days I'm a disgrace to this podcast
0: You've never seen Happy Days? Never
1: Never ever Who's
0: in it? Who? What actors are in it?
1: I don't know I couldn't tell you you're going to have to cut this out of the podcast, Danny. I do not know.
0: No shot. I, yeah, I, I didn't sign anything. This is staying in the podcast. I, we were going to get Henry Winkler on the podcast. I told you we had a shot at getting Henry Winkler on, this show, on the podcast.
1: Oh, my God. Of course. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, he's the Fonz. Then- oh, no,
1: of course the Fonz. Oh, my God. But that's so funny. You know what? I'm familiar with the Fonz as a character, as an iconic, as the kids like to say, person and character. Okay. But I, I have okay. no familiarity with Happy Days as a show at all.
0: I understand. Okay, yeah. so the theme song is like, Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Okay. Okay. Thursday, Friday, happy days. Saturday, day, day. rock and roll, then with you. And then the chorus goes like this. It, and this is how I thought it. It goes, These days are happy and free. These days are should be done with me. By Pratt and McLean. But here's the thing. I saw it three different ways. It's either these days are ours these days ours (laughs) or are or this day is ours and i saw it three different ways on the internet and i don't know which one is the real one wow Ooh. so if you're an old soul gmail.com
1: i'm gonna throw my hat in the ring based on nothing and say okay it's this day is ours
0: but it's called Happy Days. Why would it be singular? I don't know. This is why I'm so confused. Every time I think, "Oh, that this logically would mean it's this one," I'm like, "Well, I mean, the, the, who would say? Oh, yeah.
1: Right. I mean, the theme song does list each day one at a time. Monday, this day is ours. Tuesday, this day is ours. Wednesday, mm. this day is ours. That's why I'm picking that. Mm. But. Mm. Interesting.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> All very interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, if you're an old soul at gmail.com, if you have an opinion or a factoid, um, if you are Ron Howard, please <laughs> let us know. I think he was in that, right? Maybe I think he was I'm not that. the person in to Andy ask, Griffith. clearly. But... <laughs> I think Ron Howard was in Happy Days and Andy Griffith the Show. Okay. Speedy, take it away.
1: Ooh, okay. So, 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 so. I should have picked a uh, this day in history from the 50s, but I went down a rabbit hole, you see. Because I learned that uh, this week in 1902, there was uh, a US Court of Appeals case that ruled that Thomas Edison did not invent the movie camera. And I went, hmm. And I went down this big old rabbit hole trying to figure out who did invent the movie camera. And I just came out very confused. It's very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: you know, I know obviously he invented the phonograph, so I always attributed records to him, but I had no idea that people said he invented the video camera. That's news to me. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. He, th- he was trying to say as well that uh, someone uh, infringed on his patent, and he's like, I invented the movie camera, not my uh, sort of uh, – was it his assistant or his coworker? worker uh, Does it say? Someone that worked with Edison – Took what they worked on together and took it to another company. And then Edison sued that company and was like, that was my work. Um, and it was very dramatic. <laughs> but
0: that's crazy. Yeah. But then the 1902? courts. 1902? 1902,
1: wow. yeah. But then the courts decided that Edison invented one piece of it. He does have credit for the sprocket, but not the, the movie camera itself. So that's your, your 1902 drama i thought we were
0: still like looking at nickelodeons (laughs) and like that's crazy to think about that 1902 wow yeah right he sued in 1898
1: and then yeah then in 1902 they decided nope sorry edison
0: that's wow they were talking about this in the 20th century 19th century about movies in the 1800s that's cool you know it that's cool you know it so today we are talking about a movie that is oscar nominated. Mm-hmm. Um called Being the Ricardos, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. I want to start here. Um, even though of course we are an old soul podcast and we'll focus more on the nineteen fifties aspects of it and historical aspects, not necessarily um the modern standards of it, but um how big of an Aaron Sorkin fan are you, Speedy?
1: I plead the fifth Danny.
0: Okay. Oof. Okay. Oof. Which, uh, which is okay. me
1: answering. Uh, I I don't think I've ever seen an Aaron Sorkin film that I liked. <laughs>
0: what about uh, you, Dary? Well, that, that's good. Uh, well, he, okay. So I wanted to make this blanket statement in case I ever get to talk to him. Because <laughs> I've, I've interviewed a couple people who are in Aaron Sorkin things, mm-hmm. but I've never talked to him. And I don't want him to hate me if he ever found this podcast. So here's what I'll say. West Wing is one of my favorite shows of all time. Newsroom is one of my favorite shows of all time. I think The Social Network is the best movie of the 2010s. I would say it's either that or Get Out. or the... So those are three things that Aaron Sorkin did that I love. I have some problems with this movie. <laughs> Aaron, I still love a lot of your work. I have a lot of problems with this movie. I just wanted to say that on the front end. Is that, is that okay?
1: I, yeah, I think that was very respectful. And, and I actually, um, for, for your sake, I hope that Aaron Sorkin doesn't listen to this podcast so he can hear your criticism. But if Aaron Sorkin somehow listened to our podcast, my, that would be cool. My, oh, my. And <laughs> Ron Howard as well. <laughs> Please.
0: I, I, I love I love the idea of you not liking Aaron Sorkin things because I can just see him writing like two or three perfectly sounding quips and dialogue that all fits together like a little jigsaw puzzle to make a a beautiful liberal quilt (laughs) (laughs) and you just rolling your eyes and being like oh my gosh aaron people can just talk normally they don't have to walk and talk the whole time (laughs) is that is that why you don't like him
1: i yes largely and that is exactly what happened when I watched this movie. Any time there was a quip, even even when well executed, and mm, chef's kiss, it, it beautifully uh, performed, I hated it. Oh, I <laughs> eyes rolled to the back of my head. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. A- a- and for a good chunk of my life, when he like in his TV shows in West Wing and Newsroom, which I really like a lot. um, I liked it a lot because it sounded really nice, and it makes for good plays because he writes TV shows, as we learned in college when you and me were in film school, are plays. So that works well when it's very dialogue-based, but when he's directing a movie, sometimes it's just a lot of talking and walking, and you're like, okay, I'd really like something to happen at some point. (laughs) not just be about your dialogue because i think you know because he, he's like when he did social network he had david fincher so it was like that guy is going to bring the most out of this script but when it's him directing his own stuff it's just like oh i'm going to set myself up for my own lines to be the big part hubbada, <laughs> hubbada. Ooh, i'm going to get this line and i'm going to put we'll get to this i'm going to put the corniest cheesiest score possible <laughs> of these lines
1: yeah. Right, and, and I think that's what, what bugs me about it is that you, you, you feel the setup and a lot of the times because of that setup, I, I I at least feel like you do see the punchline coming and then it ends up reading as kind of corny when everything is constructed for it to be cool and like, ooh, get you off guard. But at least for me, it never, <laughs> never achieves yeah,
0: that. Because, well, they keep, you know, and we'll get to this, but like, you know, with social network, that's a movie where it's like I think I read online someone said it was 40% right Mm. but it gets the main thing right which is that like Mark Zuckerberg might be kind of hard to trust this much power with and it gets that right so with this movie even though there's a lot of things that are inaccurate it gets it right that Lucille Ball was really cool and she was always the smartest and funniest person in the room so it gets Mm -hmm. that right however it's the way it goes about it like we were talking about the score when she like she keeps doing this thing where she's like envisioning the scene in her head before it happens and you know she's a savant in that way mm-hmm. and they're playing with the corniest cheesiest music. It was music. It reminds me of Beautiful Mind when Russell Crowe is like <laughs> That's
1: exactly what I have written down. I You wrote that down? I, did. You wrote, that I, Mind? I wrote down okay. in my notes yes. why okay. is this Perfect. movie a Beautiful Mind? <laughs> yes. Why? Okay.
0: So they yeah, thank you so much. So they're doing <laughs> the Beautiful Mind thing where it's like look at this beautiful brain and how it's working and they're pointing the corniest like early 2000s like violin score under it. And she's just imagining herself stepping in grapes, losing an earring. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Instead of like John Nash, who has a Nobel Prize for mathematics, it's Lucille Ball stepping in grapes, losing her earring.
1: Right. Yeah. And let's see, what what also bothers me about this too is, and maybe you can help me with this, Danny. Did we need to prove that Lucy was a comedic genius? Like to me, it was my understanding that we all recognize this and and the reason that you care about Lucy and even want to watch this movie cuz you're you're like yeah she's a comedic genius but then the movie spends so much time trying to convince you that she was a comedic genius <laughs> but did genius. you know
0: but did you know <laughs> that Lucille Ball the star of the show was the star of the show yeah
1: look at look at how intensely she thinks about comedy in this room of writers she <laughs> outthinks she thinks the hardest she she squints <laughs> We zoom into her pupils, she is thinking about the scene. Like it it almost felt I don't know, in, in a like in a turning like a, in a 180 way, it almost felt dare I say offensive to her legacy. Like yeah, yeah, I know.
0: Well, there are a lot of things that are offensive to her legacy in this movie, but like I said, just like social network, it gets the bottom line right, which is that she is a comedic genius and she was always the smartest and funniest person in the room and she might have been a little difficult to work with yes absolutely but for the right reasons so again like it always it gets it right it's just the way it goes about it and it's obviously interesting hearing your opinion because you are a female comedian (laughs) so you you know like i can say what i think and we'll, we'll get to this with javier bardem and the controversy with his hiring where it's like okay we're just like two white people commenting on someone playing a latin dude right um like for you to say that i think we should be listening to you
1: thank you listen you know to what me. i mean like if you're saying that you know what
0: i mean like because I, I didn't think about that you know i was sitting there like hell yeah lucille Ball's cool and then you're sitting there and you're like obviously she's cool it's like the most influential comedy ever and you're like presenting this movie like oh i bet you didn't know that the biggest comedy ever was the biggest comedy ever. Right. <laughs> Did you know that? I bet you didn't.
1: Right. I well, I hate to even get into this territory, but I oh boy. Mr. Man Aaron Sorkin must uh tell the world that Lucy was funny
0: you know it's but by by having her not be funny and getting a non comedian to play her. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <sighs> oh, boy. We'll get
0: to Nicole Kidman. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on Nicole Kidman. Who got nominated as it Javier Bardem and has Jake Simmons, but not Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Okay. So I have a lot of questions. Um let's start and I will also I did a lot of research everybody, so I'll be giving you some facts and what's true and what's not true. But I want to start here. Does it make the movie worse to be so factually inaccurate? <laughs>
1: I think cuz
0: movies do this.
1: Yeah, movies movies do this. Yeah.
0: And Hamilton, like let's look at Hamilton. Like that's a movie that's a Broadway show that is one of the highest grossing ever and there's a lot of things about it that are just not true at all, but it gets you to go look it up and it's good that it gets you to think about it. So what do you, what do you think? Do you hold it against the movie? Uh,
1: I'm kind of on the fence about it. I I think that you know, like we were saying a moment ago, the, the most important thing is the takeaway like a- any factual inaccuracies that don't make me think of Lucy and Desi in the wrong way uh, fine like the fact that they you know had Lucy's red scare and her pregnancy and this or that all jammed into the same timeline of a week like i can understand doing that because you're making a movie and you need things to happen in your movie and it's for the mm. sake of drama, so fine. I guess I guess that was
0: going to be a. Que- I was going to ask you that question: is Would you rather this movie was actually in chronological order, or instead, where it basically took things that happened over like six different seasons and put it all in one week? Which I, I get. What you're, like, it's a movie. You live in Hollywood. You understand that. So
2: <laughs> Hollywood. Da, 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 da. You know
0: what's funny? Um, the episode it's based off is not even that episode. It's it's episode. 22 of season one and it's called like ethel and frank fight i think or something uh, fred what's his name fred sorry fred and ethel fight (laughs) like i watched it i watched it and it was i couldn't even find it because it was in the wrong season so yeah he obviously (laughs) yeah i don't like you said like i don't hold it against the movie for wanting to do that like i get that there's just some things where it's like i don't really know if you needed to change that like one thing i looked up because obviously this movie also focuses on her having the baby, which is, I looked this up. Here's a fun fact for you. A lot of my stuff's from the LA Times. so I think I got this from the LA Times. Um, the baby episode where she eventually has her baby mm-hmm. um, had 44 million people watching, which accounted for 72% of all TV homes, while uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower's inauguration the previous day only got 29 million. Wow so it almost doubled the inauguration of a president one of our most famous presidents so that's it's power it's how powerful it was but i'm going to read you how it actually went down this is according to lucille ball's autobiography Mm -hmm. in may of 1952 which was the correct season it wasn't season two um desi and i both walked into jess oppenheimer's office who was played by tony hale in the movie elated and uh, Desi said Well amigo We've just heard from the doctor Lucy's having another baby in January So we'll have to cancel everything That's the end of the show Jess sat Looking at us silently Then he remarked casually I wouldn't suggest this To any other actress in the world But why don't we continue the show And have a baby on TV So basically It, doesn't, like, it wasn't Desi and Lucy's idea It was Jess's idea And they just totally made it look like Jess had nothing to do with it And they slipped him under the rug
2: mm. Oof
0: and, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, well, could have given it. The guy's dead. You could have given him some credit. That would have been cool. Been
1: cool. That, oh, man, that's interesting. I actually did not realize that that was a detailed movie that was inaccurate. Because, oh, no. Because there's so... It seemed
0: right. It's It goes with everything you think. It seems like that's what would have happened. I mean, they still did it. Like, it still was very brave of her to do that. Right. And put her face on something when they couldn't even say the word pregnant on the air.
1: Right. Interesting. Ooh, I'll, I'll, I'll have to mull on that. Because, right, My my initial instinct is... There is so much to to highlight Lucy and Desi for in terms of their accomplishments. Like there's there's so much to focus on. So why spend so much time on something that you have that actually came from somebody else? But <laughs> then the second you say she was still so brave to be to have her face put on that and go and do that, then I go, oh yeah, maybe as a film writer. The most expeditious way to have that in your plot is to just, you know, have it have the idea come from them. So that's just a shortcut to giving them the credit that they deserve for that. So, uh, uh, Danny, I'm exhausted (laughs) already.
0: I know. (laughs) So when you were watching the movie, once you find out she's pregnant. Was it like every time someone smoked a cigarette, are you like, are you kidding me right now? Put that thing away. <laughs> she is with child, sir. Don't you know what those things do to people? <laughs> Including Desi.
1: Get that out of him. man. Yeah. Divorce him now.
0: <laughs> By the way, that article, Does Desi Really Love Lucy? It came out um, during season five or came out in 1955. During the fifth season, yeah. So it came out not during that season at all, that <laughs> article that she's reading. Okay. And apparently, um, when she read it, she read it during rehearsal, went to her dressing room, came out of her dressing room, tossed the magazine to Desi and said, Oh, hell, I could tell them worse than that. <laughs> 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 so that's awesome. Um, Ooh, okay. See that? Hmm. Yes.
1: I just genuinely chuckled at that. Why wasn't that in the movie? But instead, we had Sorkin quips. My heart.
0: One, There are so many Sorkin quips that made me mad. But one <laughs> thing that is actually true mm. is that um, after the baby episode did really well. Um, or he says years later. Years later, according to LA Times, Arnaz, Desi Arnaz learned that Lyons, the Philip Morris chairman... Sent out a confidential memo, this is after the baby episode, mm-hmm. saying, quote, to whom it may concern, don't bleep around with the Cuban. So oh, that's that really true. happened. So that's kinda cool.
1: Oh, interesting. Uh okay, okay.
0: It seemed really sorkiny.
1: It did seem sorkiny. <laughs> well the the cut to I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, they they say don't bleep with the Cuban and then cut to him dancing. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that.
0: Yes. Yes. He's in the background dancing after that. Yeah. Yes. Sorkin really goes all in. He does.
1: does. There's a couple
0: times in the movie where it's like, you know, I don't want to doubt Desi Arnaz because I didn't know the guy. But there's a couple times in the movie where, like, he says words along the lines of, like, you know, I think there's a scene where he says, like, I can't fight the stereotype of Cuban Americans if I don't go do this. Mm -hmm. And... You're like, you know, I don't know if that guy talked like that or not. Was he everything he I mean, of course, he defied the image of Cuban Americans by being in the show. And he was a trailblazer in that way. But did he talk like that? Did he every time he spoke? Was he in a very sorkiny way saying I have a responsibility of (laughs) defining a whole country of people for America? Is that how he spoke?
1: Right. I I don't know. I haven't met the man. I, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met the man. Um, okay. So
0: I let's get through some, some before we get to some major questions, let's go through some random fun ones. Mm-hmm. I was taking down the quippiest quips of the Aaron Sorkin quips. Excellent. Do you have any favorite ones that you'd like to share with the group?
1: Ooh. Oh, boy. Yeah. I I wrote down the whole, whole list. Well, here... <laughs> Here's the problem. I, I was writing them down because I was rolling my eyes into the back of my head. If you have any positivity to share, maybe we <laughs> should start with that. Um, like, I, I, think, I think my personal favorite one to, to rag on is um, in one of the, gosh, I think it was a writer's meeting, forgive me, but, but someone says, I don't like your casual insults. And then they respond, "Well, my insults don't feel like putting on a bleeping tuxedo for you, kid." Was- <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, there's that part like where a, um, I'm not even
1: sure if that's clever. Is that clever? I don't know.
0: There's a part where oh, I don't. Did I write down? Yeah, when the when the champagne bottle explodes by the pool oh. <laughs> with Lucio Ball and Javier Bardem and she says that bottle has comedic timing.
1: or Oh man. Do they
0: really? Yeah. So many little quips that aren't that funny.
1: Yeah, and, and I love too that after she said that, they just kind of stared and looked at each other for a beat before it wah, cut, wah. as if to give the viewers at home a chance to laugh. Wah, wah, wah,
0: yeah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Like I hope there was like an editor, like you know, Aaron. I think we're gonna need to put a pause in here because yeah. <laughs> there might be a riotous laughter. <laughs> um, I love when they're when they're telling the executives that. She's twelve weeks pregnant, and then they're like, "What does this mean?" Mm. And then she says, "It means I bleeped my husband twelve weeks ago." Right. (laughs) Great line.
1: Yeah. Oh, that. Oh boy. I mean, we don't need to go back to to feminism world, but that scene in particular was so grating to me because I think it was supposed to be a very feminist scene, but the almost like all the men in that room were a bunch of caricatures, like. We don't understand women pregnant. How how much pregnant are you, Lucy? I was like, uh, like I, I okay, guess this like, is it's progressive.
0: But like, <laughs> oh yes, it's. But like, it, it was seventy years ago. There is a chance that the caricatures that we have now are based on people like that seventy years ago. No,
1: you're right. You're right. I'm I'm just ragging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so ready no, to rip this to shreds.
0: I, yeah, I I think I think the problem is. This is one of the things where we've really evolved, um, especially in the last five years, but in the last 70. So anything that's like from 70 years ago is going to seem like a caricature because things are a lot more nuanced. Like we've we've kind of, we're like many steps ahead of that argument. Like we're into much deeper things now beyond just, hey, can a woman be pregnant on the air? Of course they can. We have soft porn on the air now. Like <laughs> <laughs> HBO, have you like we have HBO now. Like of course this this is not a question anymore. So yeah, it's going to everything's going to seem a little like come on, but it's just when it's when Aaron Sorkin presents it like it's profound that it hasn't been covered before. Yes. That's I, I think when it's aggravating. Thank you.
1: I th- I think that is the nuance, nuance that I was looking for in what I was saying. Yeah. Yes. I yes, I shouldn't he,
0: he's presenting it like it's never happened before.
1: Ex- exactly. Yes right yeah oh thank you thank you oh, phew. No i'm wiping the sweat um, off my brow
0: for that one. oh i wanted to ask you if you like this line or if it made you really upset um <laughs> when uh they were like debating who between the writers came up with this line madeline Pugh or bob
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he's like you just interrupted me and then she says how do you think i got to be a woman at a comedy room
1: you know I hated that, Danny. <laughs> I hated it from the bottom of my heart.
0: <laughs> Aaron was like, "Zing, ting, da-da, ding, da-da, ding, ding," like, on his little typewriter, like, and magic <laughs> winks at women in the camera. Like, I wish she winked at the camera after she said that.
1: Yeah, that see that? <laughs> that that would have at least, I don't know, acknowledged what it was. I don't know, because yeah, to me, I I guess I appreciate. it being in there but i think there's nothing actually witty or clever about just saying just stating the issue that you're addressing hey women aren't in white writers rooms that was a joke (laughs) wink you know
0: (laughs) yeah and that's what i was getting at with how they keep having desi arnaz speak on behalf of cuban americans all the time where it's like there are too many times they're making the characters step out of their character to make a very broad statement Right. Where they could just make a regular statement, and then people can still get something profound out of it.
1: Right. You take notes, have... Aaron? Aha. <laughs> yeah,
0: you take that Oscar winner. <laughs> Again, I love you, Aaron Sorkin. Literally, I I read a I read William Goldman's autobiography because you told me to. I love you so much. Okay. <laughs> but this this like this whole thing of like him needing to step out and define something before it happens culminates in the very last scene, where before. Lucy inevitably pauses when Desi says, Honey, I'm home. Yeah. Um. And the, like before that, they have all the people they're interviewing say, and she paused, and she paused, mm-hmm. and she paused, and then she pauses. And you're like, You know, you could have just done it, and it would have been powerful. You didn't have to like set it up like volleyball. Yes, Danny.
1: Yes. You thought yes. That you had the same thought? You're like, I, Why did you do that? I had the exact same thought. And it also. That mirrors what I thought of the very first scene in the entire movie, actually. I... Oh, man. When they did that that whole interview setup where they were trying to convince you that this movie was going to be crazy and spicy, and one of the interviewees says they were either... Uh, I think they said they were either tearing each other... No, ripping each other's yeah, tearing, heads off.
0: tearing each other... yeah Yeah,
1: or tearing each other's clothes off. Yeah, but in a quippy way. And then they cut to a scene where Lucy and Desi are in a heated argument and it ends up with them making sweet, sweet love on the couch. And I was sitting there going, so you told us exactly what was going to (laughs) happen. And then we just watched it play out. True, There's
0: so many things that if they didn't need to be a quip, it would have shocked you a little bit.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: But instead they just frame everything all the time. Um, On those interviews, because I'm such a nerd, i 'cause I didn't understand how they had like all these like people who are on the show doing interview later in life. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to look up when those people died.
2: To oh. To see
1: you're if such they a were anyone. Danny. Danny. Ooh.
0: I am a journalist. So 'cause I just <laughs> I was like interviews off the top. Like what when are they interviewing them? When 'cause you know, by the way, I wanna see if anyone else did this. When they start with all the interviews off the top with always people in the movie when they're older in life, did you look up if those were the actual people? Because for a hot sec, I was like, is this any of the actual people? Are these actors?
1: Ooh. Yeah. I mean, my personal answer is I was confused for a moment. And then because of their delivery, I was like, these are absolutely actors. And I did not even look it up. Too Yeah, too zorkin any to be real. Too zorkin to be real.
0: Um, So, Jess Oppenheimer, the showrunner guy, the executive producer, he died in 1988. Madeline Pugh, the female writer, died in 2011. Bob Carroll Jr., the male writer, died in 2007. So, they all died in different decades. So, it was just like, when when is this theoretical interview documentary thing happening when they're all talking? Like, did you get them all in the early 80s when Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll wouldn't have been that old yet?
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Why are they all old at the same time? That's what I didn't get. I was like, why are they all old at the same time?
1: Right. Is is this uh, like if we could sit down their ghosts yes. now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, all their ghosts. Um, Madeline Pews at a pool, and then the other two guys are just like in like a bar or something.
1: Yeah, ghost ghostly bar.
0: A ghostly bar. Yeah. Um, that's uh, I love. I'm just like picking at such nits there i'm sorry i just
1: <laughs> i do appreciate that nitpickiness because that is not a thing that i even considered but you're right that is actually a- absurd it's absurd
0: <laughs> it's absurd okay we need to get to the biggest historic insert of the entire movie da, 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 da. of all the things that aaron sorkin decided that he needed to say happened <laughs> that didn't happen to make his movie better can you guess what I think it is? Just
1: say it. Go hit me. Wah!
0: Do you know? No. Do you know what I'm gonna say?
1: No, I don't. But I want to know we, where you're at.
0: Hold on. We've been friends for a long time. You know me very well. What do you think I have the biggest problem with in this movie?
1: Lucy's hair.
0: Well, it does seem a little lighter red than in reality. No, we have to talk about that. They have Hoover. <laughs> Wait.
1: <laughs> yeah that is j it is very...
0: edgar hoover
1: yeah
0: call <laughs> into the pre-show of an episode yeah during the theoretical week that lucy uh has been identified as a communist that desi arnaz on a 1950s phone that can reach the audience. So he can, <laughs> I'm, sorry. It's, I'm sorry. I don't know where it's... Oh. No, you can laugh. Okay. Oh. So it's plugged in somewhere and he can bring it out. Even I don't even know what kind of phone core it's plugged into. And he can bring the phone out in front of the studio audience and then hold this 1950s phone up to a 1950s microphone mm-hmm. and it perfectly picks up the voice of J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> and J. Edgar Hoover, Mr. Friendly... <laughs> your friendly neighborhood racist <laughs> and his like mm-hmm. the more we learn about him the worse he is mm-hmm. just calls in and is like everything's great like i'm sorry i'm going to get entitled because i love aaron sorkin but aaron sorkin who's like whole thing is trying to like wink at the past and make fun of things now that we know what they're really like and for him to decide I need to have J. Edgar Hoover look good in 2022. The guy who is, who we know for a fact was spying on Dr. Martin Luther King. We have no idea how close in relation to his assassination he really was. But a guy who, time after time, the more we learn, the worse he looks historically. For him to say, J. Edgar Hoover is our hero, <laughs> our savior. He is the wizard behind the curtain. We're. I'm going to keep going. We are a year removed from two different movies about Fred Hampton coming out including the one that paints the picture of how racist J. Edgar Hoover was when it came to black people in the civil rights era of the 1960s and now in the 50s he's calling in to save Lucy because he's best friends with Desi Arnaz why is he painting him in a good light? why would he do that? it didn't even happen! okay I'm done
1: but you're right. That's It's the climax of the movie. And the crowd goes wild. The crowd stands. <gasps> they gasp.
0: Yes.
1: They got Hoover. Hoover saved Lucy. You're so right. You're so right.
0: I'm so upset. Wow. And yeah. my cousin Jason, who is a devout listener of this podcast, is <laughs> one of my best friends, <laughs> Hello, he Jason. told me ahead of time, he was like, listen there's this hoover thing that's gonna really piss you off <laughs> and i was just waiting for it and i was like oh they not like get it out of the way early i don't want to think about it again and no it's the climax mm-hmm. it's the climax yep. so i'm gonna read what the la times said about what really happened here we go oh boy there was no call from hoover <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so let's just X out that scene in its entirety. Okay, great. And everything leading <laughs> up to it. That's nice.
0: But Ball's name was cleared hours before an episode filming. Representative Donald L. Jackson, chairman of the House of Un American Activities Committee, Huak, for those who took okay, a push, Huak, held the press conference in a Hollywood hotel room and publicly absolved Ball of any wrongdoing. As the film shows, Arnez did address the studio audience before the filming that night, reading from a speech he typed. Okay, this is actually really funny. Listen to this. He introduced his wife before the cast bow before Showtime and said, quote, now I want you to meet my favorite wife, my favorite redhead. In fact, that's the only thing red about her. <laughs> and even that's not legitimate. Lucille Ball, because she died her hair. She died of hair,
1: yeah. Wow.
0: Uh, that is a perfect line it is that Sorkin a- was like, too good.
1: But I can't let Desi Arnaz overshadow good. me. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, that's better than anything I wrote. Can't do it. Um,
1: wow, that's
0: however, so funny. a 1989 Washington Post report showed that J. Edgar Hoover continued to have evidence collected on Lucille Ball even after <gasps> that. Get so out, Danny, J. Edgar no. Hoover, Mr. Savior, just... <laughs> missed the man who saved the greatest comedian in television history. Oh. Continue to spy on her in real life.
1: Oh, my gosh. What? Oh, Danny, I didn't know that. Oh, I feel like I've been punched in the gut by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> he attacked me. <sighs> oh, and no. I, I have
0: one more historical inaccuracy I need to tell you. Oh. And this was one that I found on my own because I was confused by it.
1: And you were On the last,
0: because you know there's always like a little blurb that comes up. At the end of the movie, like, this is what really happened after this. Yeah, It says, they got divorced in 1960.
1: But the they only after. filed for divorce in 1960. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> what were you actually going to say?
0: The, the, the morning after their last taping together. Oh. And that's what he says yes. in that little blurb. Yeah. However, I Love Lucy ended in 1957. They just had a bunch of specials erratically from 57 to 60. They had like 13 of them, I think. Mm-hmm. So he's actually referring to one of their random specials together. But he makes it sound like it was the last episode of I Love Lucy. Oh Personally, that's, how I, that's what I thought he was going for. And that's a very vague stretch of the truth. Wow. Sorry.
1: That's, oh, okay, okay. So, yes, I, I suppose on some level that's just a technicality. But it totally bothers me now that you spell that out. And I feel like it illuminates what bothers me, I guess, about the inaccuracies across the film. It's right. It's dancing with the truth. But at every turn, Sorkin has said, how can I take this thing that's already interesting and just inject drama? How do I make it the most dramatic version? (laughs) Like what Desi Arnaz said that night to the studio audience is amazing and hilarious. But he's like, No, 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 no. We need (laughs) J. Edgar Hoover.
0: Regis Philbin's like, would you like to phone a friend?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, and even with Um, that fact at the last moment of the movie, it's not enough that that they filed for divorce at the end of their working career together. It's like, no, this show represented their marriage. The set is Lucy and Desi's house. And the that's second right. the They've episode done is over. As soon as it's over,
0: it wasn't. That's they it. Had, they had three more years after the show was over. <laughs> Sorry, Sorkin.
2: Wop wop wop.
0: Oh, there's something I wanted to say. Oh no, and I and went, went on a tirade. We, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I could go on the Hoover thing all day. Um, we were talking about marriage.
1: Marriage.
0: And Lucille Ball. Okay. Well. Oh well. Wasn't that great of a thought? Okay. We can let's back. get. Let's get to Nicole Kidman. We need to talk about that She is nominated for an Oscar Yes She beat out Alana Mm Haim From Licorice Pizza Mm -hmm. Who I really wanted to get nominated So I'm extra mad about it (laughs) So I don't Want to make fun of Theoretically What work Nicole Kidman has or has not had On her face Yes I don't want to be that guy.
1: Absolutely. And I do not want to be that lass.
0: So thank you. But. And I don't. I I don't. Like, I don't know if I can avoid this one. She is 55 playing somebody who I think is like 39 or 40 at that time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to jump in before you finish your sentence here, Danny. But Please, I'm, jump in. But, uh. How else would I be a woman in a writer's room? I have to interrupt. <laughs>
0: hey, wink at the audio audience. Wink at them. Ding. With sound. Yeah, okay. That's, that, that was a wink because we said a good line that defended all women at once. <laughs> Something that men love to think that they can do.
1: Exactly. Uh, oof, oof. But um, Okay, Nicole Kipp is 54. Yes, Sorry. she's 54. It's not the technicality of the age difference that it actually, that does not bother me in the slightest. It's more that, you know, Lucy is a comedian and she's known for her charm and her wit and her physical comedy and her facial expressions are are part of how she does her magical thing that she does, you know? And so I, I don't want to rag on Nicole Kidman for having, you know, obviously, for having worked on in her face. Every actress in Hollywood has worked on in her face, whatever. But A, she's not a comedian. And B, she she doesn't really employ her face in, in, in being Lucy. And it's kind of like... I'm trying to think of a, a male equivalent of someone who does not... It, it's like getting Keanu Reeves to, to play Jim Carrey in his biopic.
0: Which is interesting because Jim Carrey, I think, has one of the top five best biopic performances ever when he plays Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. Yeah. And the whole time I am sitting there and I was like, I genuinely couldn't tell the difference between Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman. He was so good in that movie because <laughs> they got somebody who understood Andy Kaufman's spirit to play him.
1: Yes. Ooh. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. I, I, I... Let me know what you think, Danny. But my, my personal opinion as someone who... Again, and I'm going to be extra critical because I grew up watching I Love Lucy and I grew up loving Lucy. So I will be very unnecessarily uh, strict. (laughs) But I I did not feel like Nicole Kidman tapped into Lucy. I didn't feel like she embodied her spirit. And I was trying to like her. But at no point did I feel that she, she embodied her spirit or her charm. But maybe you disagree. I don't know.
0: What do you think? You think I disagree with that? What do you, you really think I don't think that? Here, I was trying here to open the door for say. some
1: positivity, but there was none to be found. Well,
0: I think here's what I think. And this is how I felt because I watched the episode that, that the week is uh, based on afterwards. Yeah. Nicole Kidman does a pretty good job until you actually watch an episode of I Love Lucy. <laughs> and then you're like, wow, she's a one of one. She's really emotive. Yeah. With her face. Yes. She's very physical and funny. Yes. There's a part in the episode... It was... like I watched my, my steady Galtina. We were dying of laughter because she... They kind of show it briefly in the movie. She's in a cast from head to toe. Because mm-hmm. she's trying to make um, Desi feel bad for her. Yeah. And she's like in a, a full body cast pretty much. And then Desi... Um, Tries to make Lucy believe that the house is on fire. So now Lucy is in a full body cast trying to escape a theoretically burning house. And she's just waddling around, throwing all of her clothes out the window of her bedroom. (laughs) And then in a full body cast takes... This is so funny. She takes the comforter off their conjoined twin beds. We'll get to that. Because now I'd have a... Now I'd sleep in the same bed. And ties it to herself and then ju- jumps out the window, still in a full body cast, but never tied the comforter to anything and just falls out the window. <laughs> and it was just the most physically hilarious, like I think only her and Harpo from from the Marx Brothers could have pulled that off. Pull, pulled that off. And you're just like, why didn't they get somebody who could do the comedy things? Like acting can, like, okay.
1: Oh, Oh, yes. oh, I'm gonna be so mean for a second, but that just tickled tickled my brain because I was like, yeah, that that's a hilarious scene. And in the movie, they only had Nicole Kidman do the most motionless part.
0: Yes, she's <laughs> just doing putting flowers in a pot. They right. never have her do physical comedy. I guess she does step on grapes for a second. But that's right, about it. They never really have her. Yeah. Do any? There's so many physical things that make up. Like they keep saying. You know, you have a physical gift, you know, like right. Desi Arnaz is like, your physicality is amazing. And then they just keep having her do quips instead.
1: Right. Well, even that specific scene you mentioned, I think they, they show her for a second in that cast where like, yeah. and that whole bit is all about the physical comedy of her running around and, and, but, but they just show her frozen on the couch for a moment. That's mm-hmm. Lucy, so he- baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. The physical comedian genius. So here's what I'm going to say. When they do musical biopics, mm-hmm. Jennifer Hudson and Jamie Foxx—one
2: mm-hmm.
0: played Aretha Franklin, one played Ray Charles. What do they have in common? They both could sing just like those people. They both—they can both act. They're both Oscar winners, yep. but they also can sound like those people. And that's what made those people. That's why we're talking about them today.
1: Right. And, and even so why at not bare you... minimum, they have skill in the area. Uh, yes, of...
0: they, are, they are conditioned in that area. Yes. So why wouldn't you get someone who can replicate those things comedically? It's a different art form. Get someone who can do the art form first, yeah. who can also act. Surely, in Hollywood, there are options <laughs> yes. for someone who can do both. I think... Now, I'm, I'm morally against this show because um, they don't have a Jewish person playing Mrs. Maisel. But I I, I do think Rachel, Rachel Brosnahan is someone who could have done this role. And I think she would have done a better job because she's playing comedian all the time. And she's 30, half the movies. That's the other thing. It's like Nicole Kidman is kind of pulling off a 40-year-old even though she's in her mid-50s because 50-year-olds look like 30-year-olds back then anyway. But half the movie's flashback, so she's really playing a 30-year-old a lot of the time. and that's that's a that's a that's a big ask. But like I think like someone like Rachel Brosnahan like could have handled the physicality and is proven that she can do jokes too. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that's someone I think could have done the role. Even though I don't like Mrs. Maisel, because she's not Jewish and it bothers me, she's playing a Jewish person. She could've done this role.
1: Yeah, that's sorkin.
0: That's my vote. <laughs> I thought about it a lot. Also Deborah Messing. Ooh, oh, that'd like be her.
1: fun. That'd be very fun.
0: That's an internet thing. I didn't come up with that one. That was a Twitter thing. Oh, was that a Twitter when they thing? Announced okay. it, everyone, when they announced that she was playing her, everyone was like, why don't you get to messing? So that was like a thing.
1: Oh, now that I know that, it hurts. It hurts a little bit. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs>
0: that could have been... Okay. Have been do you want to get to Javier Bardem? Or do you have anything else about Ooh. Nicole Kidman you want to say?
1: Uh, I mean, the the last Nicole Kidman thing I will say, which... I don't know, to me is is on some level a summation of what we're already saying, is that there is a line in the movie, a quippy-quip, an Aaron Sorkin quip,
0: <laughs> a quippy-quip-quip,
1: where uh, Lucy says, well, I'm Lucille Ball. When I'm being funny, you'll know it. Yeah, you know? you'll
0: know it. I think I was in the trailer, too. Oh, was
1: it in the trailer? Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't see <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah,
0: I think it is. They're really proud of that line. Yeah. <laughs> But and again, I I like Nicole Kidman in a lot of movies. My mom, one of her favorite movies is To Die For. Like we like Nicole Kidman, she's fine. They just they're asking her to play a comedian, and she's not a comedian. Right. And as a comedian, like, I kind of wanted it to be a comedian. It, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, me, me me too. I mean, really, she did her darndest, but it was yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just a miscast. And but to me, that that line is so unintentionally funny. It's not. I don't find it actually funny. Um, that they're they're acknowledging <laughs> that this movie about. A famous comedian isn't funny, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: the movie's not that funny when it's about one of the funniest people ever. Yeah. Um, do you know? I know I heard. I heard rumblings that Aaron Sorkin originally wanted.
1: Ooh, ooh, what? What? Are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Kate Blanchett.
1: I. <laughs> it. it... <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Mm. Okay. (laughs) You okay, What?
0: Even like, I was thinking about this, like, even like Tina Fey, she can act. She would
1: have been great. Right, yeah, I mean, because I I was reading a a little interviewee thingy with with Aaron Sorkin, and I should have bookmarked it so I could actually refer to it, but I think it was in the Hollywood Reporter, and he was talking about the casting and addressing people being unhappy with casting Nicole Kidman. And part, part of what he was saying was that it's not important to me that the person that I cast actually looks like Lucy in any way, as long as they, you know, capture her spirit and her wit and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, as we discussed, I don't think that the wit was captured a- and Nicole Kidman doesn't really look like Lucy that much. So yeah, why couldn't you get a Tina Fey who also doesn't look like Lucy? <laughs> You know, I mean...
0: Uh, Apparently, Amy Poehler just produced a documentary about Lucille Ball. That's on Amazon.
1: I heard that, but I I heard about it too late to watch it in time for for this podcast.
0: But that's another person who I think could have done it. Yeah. If you're going to get somebody in their 50s, like Nicole Kidman, you might as well get someone like Amy Poehler, who could absolutely kill this role. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay, so I'm going to read. So... Javier Bardem, the big controversy is that he is someone from Spain, playing someone from Cuba. Yes. Although people from Spain speak Spanish, mm-hmm. they are not considered to be, a lot of the time, Latin American, South American, because they're from Europe. I am not Hispanic. Mm-hmm. I am not South American, nor Latin American, nor Spanish. Yes. I don't feel that I can comment on this, but a lot of people seem to have a problem with it. <laughs> so I can comment on that. Now I'm gonna read a quote that Javier Bardem told the Hollywood reporter about this criticism. He said <clears throat> sorry, he did not clear his throat. <laughs> he said <laughs>
1: That's written out. Ahem. He
0: he so he took it as a thing about his accent. He was like, You have your accent, that's where you belong, that's tricky. Where is that conversation with English speaking people doing things like The Last Duel? where they were supposed to be French or in the middle ages. That's fine. But me with my Spanish accent being Cuban, what I mean is if you want to open this can of worms, let's open it for everyone. The role came to me. And one thing that I know for sure is that I'm going to give it everything I have. That's what I do for a living. Try to be people that I'm not. So that's how he felt about it. Um,
1: what
0: do you, what do you think other white person? <laughs>
1: who absolutely has a right to comment on this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I mean, what I will say is that I have had conversations with just, you know, friends of mine, normal, everyday friends of mine who are not white people who work in the film industry to, to try to see how they feel about issues like this. And something that uh, I, I have had conversations about is that Right. We don't have these conversations as much about, yeah, if you are, uh, maybe maybe your background is German-French and you are playing someone whose background is Irish. You know, for the most part, it's just white people as a big blanket. Yep. Yeah, and and any white person of any background can play any white person of any background for the most part. I'm speaking in blanket statements here, please forgive me. But then when you make narrow rules for which Hispanics can play which Hispanics, et cetera, et cetera, sometimes it's very helpful in terms of representation. Like, yes, this is like Desi Arnaz very famously is Cuban, so wouldn't it be great to get an actor who is actually Cuban in that role? But then in some cases, you can actually limit the roles that people of color are able to play because, oh, now I can't play any Hispanic. I can only specifically play Brazilian and I can only get specifically Brazilian roles. Like it starts to get messy. So I definitely feel like it's not a clear, well, obviously it's not a clear cut thing because people have uh, very heated discussions and debates about it
0: <laughs> um I, I see what you're saying that yeah. if they can only play people from their country then that's really limits the role so i understand yes. that point yeah. i guess how a lot of people feel is um there was one spanish-speaking country to pick from where they're not from latin america and they chose that one <laughs> okay so i think that's how they feel about it okay that, that, did i, I think javier bardem had a yeah yeah did i think he had a convincing cuban accent yeah do I think he was a fifty-three-year-old playing guy who was thirty-five? Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well.
0: There is one line in the movie that's so meta, and he has no idea what he's doing, but it really shoots the movie in the foot. <laughs> where she's arguing to get Desi Arnaz on the show that they're gonna produce to make "I Love Lucy" with like the executives in the in the, like the last flashback. Yeah. Where she's fighting to get him on the show. Yeah. And the dude's like, "Well." he's not really like an all-American guy. He's Spanish. And then she says, he's never been to Spain. He's Cuban. He's,
2: yeah. oh.
0: And you're oh. sitting there and you're like, wow, that's funny. I think he has been to Spain. Because <laughs> right. he's played by a guy from Spain. <laughs> so that was an amazing line that I should have removed from the movie the second they cast like someone from Spain to play him. That's so
1: funny. That's so funny. Well right. Yeah, yeah, I was like wow. And yeah, and every time they they made that joke about, oh, we're gonna change the line to Pedro or Jose Jose or whatever, and then they the writers didn't know the origin of the name. I was like, ah, hmm. what does this feels a little bit like (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. They didn't Yeah, they wrote this before they had Javier Bardem, didn't they? (laughs) However, you know, like I again we're not qualified. we're not I don't know if the word is qualified.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: we don't have the the background to truly speak on this from a personal level. But what I will say as someone who just said they're really upset Rachel Brosnahan plays a Jewish comedian when she's not Jewish, I totally get where people are coming from when they say they have a problem with it. Javier Bardem is an Oscar-winning actor who I think did his best just like Nicole Kidman did and in no way was trying to dishonor these people and they tried their best to um honor them and play them and you got nominated for it um this is and like you said as we continue to look deeper and deeper into who can play what um this is just a question that we're gonna have to figure out the answer to
1: yeah yeah so another thing i will throw into the ring as a white person who should not speak on this and is continuing to speak on this um (laughs) there there is someone who is close to me in my life who is actually cuban so i did ask them what their opinion was on this casting choice for, for Desi Arnaz. And I asked, you know, how do you feel about this very famous Cuban not being played by a Cuban, you know, someone, someone who is Spanish. And his response was, well, I can't think of any prominent Cuban actors who even could have, or would have been cast.
0: And I was like, ah, which Oh, I, I mean... I, brings. <laughs> you. continue. Finish, finish your thought.
1: Oh, no, I, I, was just, I was just regaling you with my reaction to that, which was, oh, I didn't think about that. Right, they're they're looking for a big Oscar candidate, Oscar winner to, to play alongside Nicole Kidman. Is there a Cuban actor of of that clout already that, that could slip in there? I don't know.
0: Which brings me to something I wanted to bring up about another Latin casting... In the same year for a movie that actually did get nominated for Best Picture, which is West Side Story, Mm. where they had an open casting for the role of Maria. And they got Rachel Zegler, who was not that famous and now is very famous and totally steals the movie from a lot of people. Right. So I just, like, I just wish in Hollywood it was like, if you can't think of anyone off the top of your head, don't sidestep. Just look <laughs>
1: just look for two seconds
0: because like i love lucy if you give someone a chance you have no idea how big of a star they really are and that's how she got famous through this show after just being in mostly b movies right and that's what they could have done here
1: Right, and all you need is j edgar hoover on your side
0: yeah, you'll you just make it to the top give him a call <laughs> just give him a call daddy's always watching because he literally kept records on her forever
1: <laughs> our hero ladies I, and gentlemen
0: <laughs> i think one of the questions i had as a prompt for you was um after this movie came out who do you want to play betty white because <laughs> you know they're gonna do that next
1: of course they are oh boy Ooh. Well, I wish I had a hilarious answer off the top of my head too. Oof, oof.
0: My well, because we already got to it. I already said Tina Fey it was. That's who I wrote down who I wanted. You have to think about it. I just wanted to throw it out there that she's going to be next. They will do a Betty White movie. They absolutely will for sure. They absolutely will. Um, okay, random other questions before I'm,
1: we. It would be fun if you got a young this. person to play an old person. Put like uh, Amy Poehler <laughs> in a wig and that's Betty White.
0: Absolutely,
1: I would watch the heck absolutely.
0: out of that. Absolutely, I would. Well, of course, I would. Um, and it's because
1: Betty White has the spirit of someone much younger you could never tell that she was 99 okay I'm done <laughs> I wanted
0: I, I one thing I wrote down that I wanted to say and I couldn't really fit in any questions but I feel like Aaron Sorkin and Wes Anderson had the same year
2: mm.
0: where they both came out with a new movie mm. and became pretty clear that two guys that have extremely unique styles that have a lot of fans each like their each of their movies came out and each one felt like a parody of all their other movies <laughs> it was like okay wes anderson's just going f- it's like he's trying to make a wes anderson movie yeah he's one of my favorite directors ever wes i love you so much and then aaron who i also love podcast, so much
1: please, 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 please. <laughs> we almost called our podcast uh, if you want us to do wes anderson oh I forgot about that
0: yes that's right it's in the description our podcast description says if you want to become friends with Wes Anderson but originally we wanted to call it similar to if you give a mouse a cookie (laughs) if you want to seduce Wes Anderson that was an original title yes because we love Wes Anderson but yeah it felt like Aaron Sorkin you know was he directed the Chicago 7 and now he's directed this where it's just like he's just becoming like Okay, Aaron Sorkins applying his walk and talks to something else in history. And Wes Anderson's like, Okay, what other part of the country or world and time period can I make look like the nineteen fifties in France? <laughs> the movie I think I'm yeah. pretty Did you see his new movie?
1: I no, I have I haven't yet.
0: I got ten minutes in and gave up. I think oh, it takes really? place in Kansas, but the whole time you're like, "Oh, London! I love London." <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> but I think it takes place in Kansas. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So I just I don't know. I I love I love so much of their work, and I I hope they get re inspired by something that makes them try something new.
1: Yeah. I mean, in a weird, oh boy, this this is totally tangential. This isn't gonna totally come together as a thought, but here I go. Uh, it reminds me of, you know, how uh, after a certain point, Shakespeare plays were kind of by, just written by other people in the Shakespeare yes. style. Or at least it's people think that rumored perhaps they were rumored yeah. to be ghostwritten. Yes. I, I feel like this movie could have been ghost written.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if they trained a computer to, like, they uh, a computer read all Aaron Sorkin works, then turned out an Aaron Sorkin screenplay. Yes. <laughs> about I Love Lucy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think because we're wrapping up here, I want to end... Well, I want any other thoughts you have, I want to hear them. But there is one thing I like, our last main bullet point we have to get to. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say three words, and I want to see if they got you as mad as they got me, okay? Okay. Don't gaslight me. (laughs) Don't gaslight me.
1: Don't gaslight me.
0: Don't gas she says that. And their big mm-hmm. argument at the end where she asks if he's cheating on her. Mm-hmm. In the climax of the, the plot about their relationship. Yeah. She says, Don't gaslight me. Yeah. In presumed nineteen fifty two.
1: Danny Danny, do you do you know the answer to this? What year did that movie come out? What year? Okay. Because I don't know the year, but when that moment happened I, I went, Oh no. <laughs>
0: So I looked it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From Snopes.com. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, The play Gaslight and subsequent movie adaptations had been in existence for several years by 1953. When Lucille Ball was depicted saying, don't gaslight me. And to her husband, Desi Arnaz, in the biopic, 2021 biopic, Being the Ricardos. It is possible that Ball could have used that phrase at that time. However, it is not plausible (laughs) and not likely. While phrases associated with gaslight, such as giving someone the gaslight treatment, were in use from the 40s onward, the earliest instance we could find of the use of gaslight as a verb, as in to gaslight somebody, was in 1961. And in 1953, it certainly was not at all common. (laughs)
1: Excellent reporting, Daniel. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Snopes. Yeah, thank you, Snopes. Yep, and it's just so, so funny. I mean, right, you know you are, do- <laughs> you are doing a film that is set in the 50s, but no attempt was made. No attempt <laughs> was made to make people actually I, behave like it was the time.
0: There's a part where she's discussing her marriage with J.K. Simmons, who did get nominated for an Oscar as well, mm-hmm. in the bar, mm-hmm. and she says they're talking about how desi arnaz must feel like second banana <laughs> in a very serious conversation
2: yeah
0: and she says second banana navigating male egos is what i do <laughs> <laughs> it's like second banana is a great old phrase to throw in there there's also a part i think where um when it says in all red uh that she's a communist or whatever yeah in the headline and then she says that's hindenburg type yeah you got that I, oh yeah
1: oh yeah
0: <laughs> i love that i hope he like googled like bad things that happened she's <laughs> like what, what are the biggest what baddest
1: headlines
0: <laughs> like do you know what happened more recently than the hindenburg at this point in time um pearl harbor <laughs> world war Two. <II, laughs>
1: Do you, do you think Aaron Sorkin was making uh, a, a very, very thoughtful assessment of what at the time was too soon? Like, mm. for, for Lucy, Hindenburg, okay for comedy. Uh, Pearl Harbor, Harbor. Yeah,
0: Aaron, off the table. Aaron Sorkin, arbiter of too soon comedy. <laughs> the man who just knows all the rules and regulations <laughs> of comedy it was like, mm, Hindenburg's a little more... Um, Safe. <laughs> I
1: if I if I can say anything, I would say that the, his comedy is very analytical, calculated, one might say.
0: Yes. Yes. Alright, do you have any other thoughts on uh, being the Ricardos? asked Molly Dominic. Uh uh,
1: uh uh all all I will say is uh, to end on a very positive note, uh one of the notes that I that I jotted down mid watching this film was Watching this made me hate movies. I'm against <laughs> the art of filmmaking. <laughs> and the best part of the whole movie, the part that I enjoyed the most, was the jello jingle when she was on the radio. <laughs> that was the part that gave me the most joy.
0: <laughs> These are our...
1: Monday, Tuesday, happy days, this is our day. I got it right.
0: In conclusion, Aaron Sorkin, I love you. Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, you did your best.
1: (laughs) We really do not hate you. It's just fun to, to rag on you.
0: Don't gaslight.